Good afternoon, welcome. My name is Janine Banks. I'm head of industry and ISV solutions at Amazon Web Services, and I'm really excited to be here with you to talk about a subject that's really strategic to AWS, which is integration with Salesforce. Recently, we announced the expanded strategic alliance with Salesforce, and we've listened to our customers who have told us that integrating these platforms is critical to how they run their business. Increasingly, data is in the cloud. But not only in the cloud, SaaS applications are how you're managing your customer interactions, your sales process, your customer cases and how you support customers, and many, many other use cases. And so it's important that the data that you store in those applications is accessible to all the other business processes that you use to run your business. And with that, Salesforce is used by one of every five enterprises in the United States. And so we recognize the importance of that strategic platform and the integration with AWS to make things work. However, we've also heard from customers that sometimes it's not as easy as they would like it to be. And so I'm glad that I'm joined today with some co-speakers from Salesforce, Financial Force, and Autodesk, and I'll introduce them later. They will share more about this partnership as well as use cases of how they're integrating today as well as what's possible in the future. So with that, our agenda. Why integrate Salesforce and AWS services? So what are those range of use cases that many of you are trying to implement and most likely have implemented? How can those use cases be done in a really efficient way, cost-effective way, to help you drive high performance in your business? Second, how AWS and Salesforce are enabling deeper integration, not only through reference architectures and tips and tools, but also with deeper integration of our products, building new products together. So we'll talk more about that. And then integration case studies from Financial Force and Autodesk. I think you'll find it really interesting and I'm sure relatable to what you're seeing in your business when you're looking to use the platforms together. So why integrate AWS and Salesforce? Well, the number one reason for that is because customers expect that integration. But more than that, if you think about it, there's so many touch points in how we engage our customers. We have mobile, we have Internet of Things, web applications, other services and touch points that may be in a bank or in a retail store, kiosk, or really almost anywhere. So of course, all these touch points, customers expect connectivity that's secure, it's seamless, and they want to be able to go across these touch points very smoothly. Salesforce conducted its 2018 State of the Connected Customer Research. And what they found from thousands of customer responses is that customers are willing to take their business somewhere else. Actually, more than ever, customers are willing to switch if it's not a seamless experience that they're getting from the companies that they do business with. Another striking insight from that research 
is that 70% customers say connected processes are very important to their business, and nine and a half more likely to view artificial intelligence as revolutionary. But let's not forget about security. We can never forget about security. And that's super important to customers as well, as they've shown in this research as well. 62% of customers say that they're more afraid of their data being compromised than ever before. So again, it's not only just seamless, but it has to be secure. And the number of sources to integrate are not shrinking. <laughs> they're increasing. And so how can we help you easily develop the applications and services that you need to provide those customer experiences of the future and pull data from all these different sources that continue to grow? Applications, processes, systems, things. Really, it's just a, a large amount of data that's growing. What we talk to customers about include what are some of the things they're doing with data in Salesforce? What are some of the things that they would like to do when they bring that data into AWS? And we found several primary scenarios that over and over again, pretty repeatable. The first one is just make it secure. Make sure it's secure. Now, of course, when we send data over the internet, we, we encrypt it, we make sure that it's secure. So we're not saying integration today and exchanging data between Salesforce and AWS today is not secure. But it's different than that. It's about, as a developer, I shouldn't have to traverse different network boundaries between Salesforce and AWS, and I have to ask my IT department to provision uh, you know, an open IP so I can go out to the internet in a secure way. This has to be faster. I don't have time. I need to innovate at a fast pace to respond to my customers and the business. So that's what we're talking about, secure access and data exchange that's faster. It moves at the speed of business. Low cost, high durability data archivals, number two. Many of our customers say, hey, I want to do one of two things. I want to get data from Salesforce, copy it as a kind of a backup into Amazon S3. And second, they say, I want to get the data into S3, but then I also want to do many other things with it, such as batch processing, high-performance computing use cases. They want to be able to synchronize data. So if I have Salesforce opportunities on one side, and I have opportunities that pulled into Amazon Redshift data warehouse, I want to keep those two data stores in sync continuously, and it should be easy to do. Then there's event-driven data processing. So critical. In order to be responsive to customers and to present offers to them at the moment that of interest and at the moment when it matters in context to those, those interactions, it's important that we can respond to events, and not just system-level events. More importantly, those business events that happen, such as when I convert a lead into an opportunity, or I create a new account, uh, or possibly when I have a case that's open and it gets escalated. Those different changes in business engagement, business events, need to trigger processing. And trigger processing in AWS. And then also, once I've done something in AWS, I want to trigger processing back in Salesforce. And then finally, 
big data, analytics, and machine learning. And can't say enough about it. Uh, many interesting scenarios that I've heard customers talk about, and you'll hear some of those from Financial Force and Autodesk today, such as, I want to be able to bring leads from Salesforce into AWS, and I want to be able to do machine learning on those in order to generate lead scores. Or I want to be able to bring accounts into AWS and use machine learning to create customer churn scores. So these are just a few of the examples, and like I said, you'll hear more about them, but I'm sure it triggers some ideas and unique challenges that you're looking at using big data analytics and machine learning as well. So with these scenarios in mind, we got together several months ago, AWS and Salesforce, and we said, what, are, what can we do? Above and beyond the public APIs that are available, above and beyond the uh, tools and resources and reference architectures that we've made available, what can we do? And we also met with dozens of customers to say, what are you doing today? How can we help take best practices that you've learned and help share that with other customers and even productize those things so that many, many more customers can get to market faster with these integrations? So I'm really excited to announce that AWS and Salesforce have expanded our strategic alliance, and with that, are a few key things I would love for you to take away from today's session. One, Salesforce today runs the majority of its public cloud workloads on AWS. And we're really proud of that. Uh, our guest speaker will come up and talk more about that. Also, you may not know that AWS is a significant user of Salesforce. We have rolled out so many of the services and applications I use Salesforce every day uh, throughout Amazon, not just AWS, uh, we're a very significant user. And then also, together, we think that experience of how we're both using each other's services and the experiences of our customers as a broader community, we can bring all of that together to empower each and every one of you to seamlessly and securely combine these platforms. So with that, I would like to introduce our guest speakers. We have Wyatt Goodenough, who will join me up on stage. Uh, Wyatt is VP of Strategic Technology Partnerships at Salesforce. And then we also have Zuzana Verikova, Engineering Manager at Autodesk, and Simon Ising, Director of Analytics at Financial Force. So I'll turn it over to Wyatt, talk more about the Alliance. Excellent. Hi, everyone. My name is Wyeth Goodenough. I am the uh, Vice President of Strategic Partnerships at Salesforce. Um, first of all, I want to thank Janine for having me up here. Um, I love my job. Salesforce is a really exciting place to, to work. I think we're a quite innovative company, really fun, dynamic place. But then getting to partner with Janine and her team and think through how our platforms and services can work more seamlessly together is, is really fun and exciting. So it's a pleasure to work with, with Janine and her team. Um, as Janine mentioned, um, AWS is a critical, critical um, infrastructure provider for us. We are live today with our core products, the so Sales Cloud, Service Cloud, 
um, in several geos. So in the world of GDPR and data localization and rapid global expansion, being able to partner with AWS on our infrastructure strategy has been, been huge for us. So you'll see us continue to lean in there and embrace the public cloud more and more, and specifically with AWS. So um, great partner, and we couldn't do what we do without them. Um, second, we just couldn't be more thrilled that AWS and, and Amazon kind of more generally are, are using Salesforce in the way that they are. They, um, you know, growing like a, a weed of an organization, scaling to unbelievable scale, and Salesforce is helping to power that. So we feel uh, fortunate to be a part of, of their growth with, with Salesforce. Um, but what we're here to talk about today is the partnership. We're doing some really neat things together. Um, so I'll walk you through kind of what's available today and then what we announced at Dreamforce. Um, and then I'll turn it over to Janine to, again, we'll talk through kind of the details of kind of how we're going to make this happen. So, um, actually, fast forward one. All right, so as you look at this wheel, this kind of hits some of the key integrations that we have today. And I'm going to start in the bottom right as you're looking at the screen um, in context center transformation. So um, I'm not sure how many of you know the contact center or, or service space very well, service center space. but. It's actually, we believe, going through quite a transformation with all the different technologies that are changing um, the way you can engage with a contact center and technologies you can use. Specifically, uh, Amazon Connect. So Amazon Connect is a product that, for those of you who don't know, it's a cloud-based CTI product, so cloud-based telephony product that you use in a contact center to do all your inbound telephony and routing. Um, and it is integrated with our service cloud. Uh, the reason we think it's going to be so transformative is because what you can do with a cloud-based solution um, is, is pretty powerful. It can, you can get up and running, pay by as you go, get up and running in a couple of hours, and you can connect it with our service cloud via an integration that's available on the App Exchange today. So you can go to the Salesforce App Exchange and you can get this integration. If you tried it before Dreamforce, go take a look again because it's been um, refreshed and improved. Um, but I, this is also early days. We think there's going to be a lot of transformation in this space, and we believe that Service Cloud plus Amazon Connect is a really powerful combination. So our teams are working very closely together, and you're going to see more and more um, coming from that partnership um, around the contact center space. The second one is around analytics and insight, so as you go around the wheel. Um, again, our products in general, Salesforce and Amazon, um, are very complementary. Um, specifically, if you kind of look at the analytics space, they have Redshift, um, amazing, you know, super powerful, scalable uh, data warehouse. The way to visualize that in Salesforce is via Einstein Analytics. And you can go into Einstein Analytics today, into the application, you can go in and set the integration up and have it work. So you can pipe all of your, you know, insights in and, and have Salesforce um, be the kind of engagement and, and you know, UI for um, all of those insights you generate in Redshift. Very easy to go set up, so I encourage you to go check that out. Um, the next one is around AI and voice. So I used to run our customer success organization for Salesforce for the western part of the U.S., and one thing I found is that, or we found, is that people hate entering data into a system. And um, I, I strongly believe that we need to figure out ways to make it easier on them. And as voices kind of you know, emerged, I think you've all you know, used Alexa at home and starting to talk more and more to your phone. Um, I think we believe that, that voice is going to really transform the way um, end users engage with business applications. So we announced Einstein Voice at Dreamforce so just a couple months ago. And as part of Einstein Voice, it's a platform, you can go build Alexa skills right there. 
And we're seeing companies just do amazing things with Alexa today. It's really cool. And we kind of tried to think through the basic stuff that they would want to do using Alexa for business. And I mean, the stuff that customers are coming up with is just phenomenal. So if you're interested in kind of changing the way your end users and building applications, you know, to change the way your end users engage with, with Salesforce, I encourage you to take a look at that integration and leverage Einstein Voice plus Alexa for business. Um, kind of continue to move around the wheel. Um, as we get to uh, easy application deployment. So this is really around our Heroku integration with AWS. I'm not gonna get into a lot of detail here because there's a full session on this on Wednesday afternoon. Um, Margaret Francis, our GM of Heroku, will be there talking about everything you can do for, with application development leveraging Heroku in AWS, so it's gonna be a great session. But the goal is just to make it easy on you as developers to you know, easily work with Salesforce and AWS technologies together. All right, so then the next two, I'm actually gonna flip slides for. Um, these are the two that we announced at Dreamforce, and this is what Janine was talking about before, about needing our, our services and platforms to work more seamlessly together. So we went out and actually interviewed a bunch of customers, and this is right around when we were doing the MuleSoft acquisition, but Brett Taylor, our head of product, Matt Garman, Janine, myself, Adrian Kunzel, who runs our platform, we went and met with tons of customers to talk about where does their data live and how are they thinking about integration? And one thing that just continued to come up was we are going all in on AWS and Salesforce is a strategic platform for us. We need your services, the platform, et cetera, to work seamlessly together. And, and one, from a security standpoint, is critical. And then two, just being able to move data back and forth um, more easily. So we um, you know, got together, kind of thought through what this would look like, and we're in the kind of stages now of evaluating kind of all, all the options, and Janine will get through the details here in a second. But our goal is to make it easy for you to, to not have to, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Data's not gonna hit the public web. It's gonna stay in this trusted network boundary, and you'll be able to, within one UI, go in and, and start to move data back and forth. Um, so we're really looking forward to this. It's something that our, our both organizations are very committed to. And so with that, I'd like to turn it over to Janine, who will get into a little more details on the how we're gonna make this happen. Thank you. Thanks, Wyatt. So more detail, right? A year ago at reInvent, we launched something called AWS Private Link, a powerful new service that made it possible for the first time to bring external services, whether services that were built by AWS, services built by our partners, large community partners, and ISVs, or even your, yourselves. Uh, within your virtual private clouds, uh, you have services that are running, and, but you want to be able to share those services across VPCs. So PrivateLink enables that secure and scalable model for that kind of sharing across those different environments. And it's interesting because different from other patterns of sharing that we make possible with AWS, such as VPC peering, which is a great model for sharing, um, the difference is that private link creates a separation of control. And what I mean by that is with VPC peering, when you peer those networks, they can access each other almost as if they're part of a single network. And so that's really ideal, especially for internal sharing use cases where you own or a single entity, legal entity, owns all those uh, VPCs in that network. Now with private link, if it's external sharing between entities, between VPCs that are owned by different organizations on AWS, 
Now you can maintain that separation and control by each of those separate entities, but then you can seamlessly access those services in an authorized and delegated way. So there's three key aspects of private link. One is bring external services into your VPC privately. And the way that you do that is you can use a network load balancer that essentially you put a service behind and then you expose that service through that network load balancer and to another VPC, your own, you would create an endpoint, which is called a VPC endpoint, and you would assign a private IP address in your internal IP space. So now you have a service that looks like it's part of your internal private IP space, but in reality, it's an external service controlled and managed by an external service provider. So if you take that model of external sharing between external service providers and your internal VPCs, and now we've been able to bring that forward with partners like Salesforce. And so we're really excited that we're integrating the Salesforce Lightning platform with AWS PrivateLink, and we're working closely on how that will look, but it's really a, a similar model of being able to integrate Salesforce data centers with Amazon Web Services in the cloud, using PrivateLink and having an end-to-end -end private connectivity. We're really excited about this because we've had uh, hundreds of ISV partners adopt PrivateLink over the past year. Uh, we have customers increasingly using VPC endpoints enabled by PrivateLink to have this kind of sharing model. And it's really enabled them to do a couple of things, even beyond having greater privacy where you're not exposing data to the external uh, public internet, two, two additional things. One, it's a simpler model for sharing because now I'm not setting up an internet gateway, I'm not managing IP whitelisting, uh, I'm simplifying my network architecture, uh, essentially. And the second thing is that now that you're having all that traffic routing across the AWS network backbone, you're likely to gain better latency than if that data transited the public internet, which has less reliable uh, speeds of, and performance in terms of latency. So we're really excited to enable this kind of sharing model together with Salesforce and having those benefits made possible directly to you. So imagine that you have an, a, a service that has an API exposed for that service that your developers or yourselves would use to integrate into an application that you're running in a VPC. Now, you simply would be able to use a private link-enabled endpoint for that API and still use and integrate that into your application as you did before, except now the data doesn't travel and get exposed to the public internet. It's end-to-end -end private connectivity on the AWS network. The second thing I wanted to mention is that the service owner maintains control. And what that means is, if I create a private link endpoint in my VPC and I want to give someone access to a service, I make a service request to the service provider, but then the service provider has to grant me and approve me to have access to that service. So you're maintaining the separation between those networks, uh, but still enabling that seamless sharing. Once the service provider enables and grants that access, now that sharing can happen. And at any time, the service provider, the third thing, can revoke that access.
So how does this look in the future when we are completed this integration with Salesforce? So on your left, uh, from where you're sitting, uh, you imagine you have the Salesforce data centers. And Salesforce has data centers around the world, uh, you know, one of the largest uh, cloud footprints in the world. And then we would use AWS Direct Connect, which enables connectivity that is private from the Salesforce data centers up to the AWS cloud. You can also use VPN for that private connectivity from the data centers to the cloud. And then once in the cloud, is where you would connect into a, a VPC and you would create the network load balancer where the service would sit and be exposed so that other services using private link endpoints can connect to them. And that's where that handshake would then happen, where the service user would request access, the service provider would reject or accept, and then assuming it's accepted, that sharing can happen. We call this a trusted network boundary, because now what it means is, as a developer, I don't have to worry about what's happening from a network perspective. I may not be a networking expert. All I know is that it just works, it's seamless, and it feels like one application. And that's exactly what we're aiming for. So with that, I would love to ask Susanna to come up and share with us the great work that Autodesk has been doing and the lessons that they've learned integrating AWS and Salesforce. All right, thank you, Janine. Uh, welcome, everyone. My name is Susanna Vejaškova, and I am an engineering manager at Autodesk at the Data and Automation Platforms Group. Um, our group has many engineering teams, and all of the engineering teams are focused on um, Salesforce and AWS uh, go-to-market platforms for Autodesk. To share a little bit more about Autodesk, um, Autodesk is a software company which uh, lets our customers uh, to make anything. If you have ever admired a skyscraper, used a cell phone, watched a movie with a lot of awesome visual effects, or drove a high-performance, uh, high-speed car, chances are you have experienced what um, some of our customers are doing using Autodesk products. We have over 200 million customers worldwide, and we have over 100 products. As a subscription company, we uh, really need to understand our customers. And we need to empower those who interact with our customers um, with the information they need in order to provide great customer service and to drive engagement with our customers. Before we dive deep into the details of how we use Salesforce and how we integrate Salesforce with AWS, I wanted to give you an idea of the scale at which we are using Salesforce and AWS. Um, so at Autodesk, we have been using Salesforce for over 10 years and we use AWS for over three years. The main domains where we use Salesforce are sales, support, and marketing. We have over 20,000 Salesforce users, and in order to provide integrations between Salesforce and our additional enterprise applications and systems, uh, we run over two million API requests uh, on the Salesforce site every day. Uh, to give you an idea about the scale of the team, there is a total of over 120 um, resources uh, working on AWS and Salesforce in implementation in three different uh, countries or continents. And we follow agile delivery uh, practice with continuous integration. So from the Salesforce perspective, we are using Sales Cloud and a Service Cloud. 
So um, as mentioned earlier, our goal is to provide those who interact with our customers with the information they need so that they can provide great customer service and customer engagement. Um, and there are three ways how we achieve that. We achieve that through a data supply chain, which um, means uh, bringing the data from Salesforce. We need to bring data from additional enterprise applications because we um, are a company which is over 35 years old and we have more than 25 different enterprise systems. Um, so we need to bring all of this data in AWS. And uh, we also need data from our products and we need our web analytics data. So we need to bring all the data into AWS and then we build predictive analytics and um, machine learning and um, data science um, uh, models to uh, calculate um, scores and we integrate them back into Salesforce so that um, our customer sales representatives and uh, agents are able to use the scores um, in Salesforce. We also uh, provide freedom to our data analysts to query the data uh, directly from um, AWS for BI reporting and to create um, additional business insights. Um, so before we go into the details of each of these three use cases, um, let's look at the end-to-end -end, um, integration landscape. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, we bring data from Salesforce into AWS and we use AWS Glue currently uh, to bring the data from Salesforce to AWS. Uh, we use um, additional um, AWS services like uh, Amazon Kinesis or AWS Lambda to bring data from other enterprise systems uh, like SAP, Marketo, or other custom-built um, applications that we, we use at Autodesk. And uh, we also bring data from all the Autodesk products related to the product usage, the logs, and the web analytics. Um, we bring all the data into S3, and then we use um, AWS Glue, and we use Amazon EMR to, uh, for ETL processing um, and uh, transformation of the data. We use Amazon SageMaker for data science, and we also um, run custom-built Python and R data science models on uh, Amazon EMR cluster. Um, and uh, we integrate those scores back into Salesforce, and um, we also provide um, the data via Athena or via Redshift um, to our data analysts who then have the chance to use any tool of their choice, like um, ClickView, Tableau, or Looker. So let's look into more detail into the data supply, and supply chain use case. So the data supply chain, uh, is the goal is to uh, propagate the data across the entire Autodesk uh, systems landscape. In terms of Salesforce, uh, we extract data from uh, many objects, uh, mostly objects like opportunities, cases, leads, partners, uh, data about our customers, and more. And we currently use AWS Glue to bring the data from Salesforce into AWS. In terms of other enterprise systems, um, we use uh, different ingestion patterns to bring the data uh, based on the source, the nature of the source system, whether they are event-based or uh, whether they, uh, we need to retrieve the data through API. Based on that, we use uh, Kinesis or we use um, Glue or we use Lambda. Um, the third area, uh, we need to bring the data from are the Autodesk products. So we have SDKs inside our Autodesk products uh, which uh, publish events 
and uh, for that we use uh, Amazon Kinesis. Um, so they publish events so that we know exactly how our customers are using our products. And we also collect uh, data uh, from our web traffic. And the third area where, we, um, where the supply chain is very important is uh, integrating some of the data back into the enterprise systems. Uh, so for example, in, in the example of Salesforce, uh, the predicted scores and uh, we need to integrate them back into Salesforce for our customer and sales representatives. So once the data is in S3, um, we use uh, multiple AWS services. We use AWS Glue to, um, for like heavy ETL transformations. And um, this is really where AWS uh, brings the value for us because we wouldn't be able to do it this only in Salesforce. As I mentioned, we have over 25 different enterprise systems. And at some point for some of the reporting or for some of the data science models, we really need the data for multiple systems together in order to provide additional and advanced insights. So uh, that's what AWS uh, allows us to do. Um, we use AWS Glue to do all these transformations. We normally store the outputs uh, again into S3. And then from S3, um, our data analysts have two options. They can either directly query the data from S3 where we have Hive tables, so they can use fast access to query the data from S3, or we use AWS Glue crawlers to create the tables in Amazon Athena. Um, we really like to give our data analysts the choice um, and the freedom to choose the tool of their preference. So that's why some of them might be using Tableau, some of them might be using Looker, some of them might be using ClickView, uh, but they are all able to uh, use the same views and tables that we provide in um, Athena for them in order to create um, their reports and business insights. Uh, moving on to the data science and predictive analytics piece. Um, again, um, one thing I would like to highlight on this slide is that uh, using these AWS services really allows us to split between the data engineering part and the data science part. So the data engineering part is what I already covered on the previous slide. That's when we prepare the data and we create the tables in Athena for data analysts to use. This split also allows uh, Autodesk to structure the teams of data engineers who provide these, um, these uh, tables and have a separate uh, team of um, very experienced data scientists who don't have to worry about that and they can focus on building their data science and predictive analytics models. Um, so from the data science um, area, we use Amazon SageMaker. We also have a lot of custom-built models that are built in R or in Python that currently run on an um, EMR cluster. Uh, to query the data for the model, they can be queried through Athena, but they could also be queried directly uh, from Amazon S3. The outputs from the models are stored either back to S3 or we, we expose them through Redshift. And um, at this point is where the real value of the exercise comes into picture because at Autodesk, our sales representatives and our customer support agents do not want to go and query data through SQL Workbench and write SQL queries. Most of their day, they spend their time in Salesforce where they are engaging with customers and they are trying to help our customers. So in order for them to efficiently 
work, what they really need is they need to see the, the scores and see the, the data back into Salesforce. So currently we have two uh, patterns of how we integrate data back from AWS into Salesforce. The first option is through Informatica, which we currently use for uh, batch updates. So when we run a model and there is a, we wanna do a batch update back into the Salesforce objects, we use Informatica. We also use um, AWS Lambda if we wanna do a single record updates um, into the Salesforce objects. So um, there are two really distinct areas where the integration between Salesforce and AWS come into picture. The first area is on the very beginning, which is, which is ingesting the data from Salesforce into AWS. And the second area is at the end of the whole architecture where we need to push the data back into Salesforce. I would like to share a small, uh, one of our very famous use case from the data science perspective uh, where um, we wouldn't be able to do it without AWS and at the same time we wouldn't be able to do it without Salesforce. Uh, one of our major um, data science product is the, we call it the early warning system where we predict the risk of customer churn. In order to do that, we need data about the customer which lies in Salesforce. But we also need to know information like how often is the customer using our product, which is the data which comes from the Autodesk product SDKs. So that's where the value of bringing data together and building the model together at AWS um, really brings the value. And then the people who engage with our customers and who are um, trying to do actions in order to make sure our customers are engaging and they are going to renew at the end of their subscription terms are the customer service representatives or the sales representatives who work in Salesforce. And that's where it's very important for us to integrate back into Salesforce. So um, while working on the whole um, like end-to-end -end architecture, there are three challenges that we have faced uh, in terms of uh, Salesforce and AWS. The first challenge is the Salesforce API limits. The second challenge was on the ingestion from Salesforce to AWS, because we need to use a different third-party driver. And the last challenge is the need of using Informatica currently for the batch upload back to Salesforce. So with these challenges, we are actually really excited to hear about the uh, partnership between AWS and Salesforce, because we are hoping that this will provide a little bit easier and seamless integration uh, between AWS and Salesforce. So um, in conclusion, um, we use both AWS and Salesforce very heavily. Uh, we ingest and store data from Salesforce and from other systems into AWS. We built our complex predictive modeling um, on AWS and display the scores back into Salesforce. And uh, AWS um, really provides us the scalable and serverless architecture, which allows us uh, for iterative development and for fast deployments. So next up, Simon Ising uh, from Financial Force will share about their use case. Thank you, Susanna. And oh, yeah, let's give her a hand. <laughs> And thank you, Janine, for inviting me up on stage here uh, to talk a little bit about how Financial Force is using 
AWS and how we integrate Salesforce with uh, AWS to deliver predictive analytics. So first, a little bit about us. So my name is Simon Ising. I'm the director of analytics at Financial Force. We are a truly global company. We have customers all around the globe, and we have employees around the globe as well. We develop enterprise resource planning, also known as ERP software, natively on the Salesforce platform. We have a number of solutions. We have solutions for professional service automation, financial management, supply chain management, billing and revenue recognition. And those are all built natively on the Salesforce platform. They innovate with the Salesforce sales cloud and service cloud applications. Some of our well-known customers would be Salesforce, um, HP Enterprise, IQVIA, and also a company everybody should be familiar with, AWS. So we work closely with both Salesforce and AWS. So we are the largest ISV on the Salesforce platform. We have a great partnership with Salesforce. They are an investor of ours, and they're also represented on our board of directors. So at Financial Force, we see our customers in full color. What we mean with that is that we have a lot of data from our customers, all of the engagements with our customers that we take in, and we leverage that in all of our business functions to deliver data-driven decisions. AWS provides the foundation that we need in order to consolidate all of this data and deliver a complete time series view on all of this data. And I'll give, go into a little more detail about why that's important later. So we are an ISV. We are all in on Salesforce. Everything we do starts with Salesforce. And we complete the full circle by bringing all of the insights that we deliver, all of the analytics we deliver off-platform back into Salesforce Einstein. So without any further ado, this is the solution architecture that we deploy internally at Financial Force. It is the same architecture we use when we, as a reference when we consult with our enterprise customers. So I'll go through this in a little more detail. So at the, at the center here, you see there is a data lake that is deployed in Amazon S3 storage. We take snapshots of all of our data and we put it into a hierarchical structure, which represents time. We have a, an Amazon Redshift data warehouse, and we leverage Redshift spectrum to define external tables on top of the data that we have in our data lake. That enables us to query semi-structured data directly out of the data lake from the data warehouse. On the left-hand side, this is where we have the ingestion pipelines. And on the right-hand side is the, cons uh, is the consumption model for our data warehouse. So if I start with data ingestion, Financial Force, we ourselves are Salesforce customer. We use all the Salesforce products. So we have an org, which is an instance of Salesforce, which we've connected with. 
We have a pipeline built using Heroku Connect and AWS Glue that every night does a, a complete dump of all of the data out of our Salesforce instance into our data lake. Similarly, all of our customers are also customers of Salesforce. Remember, we are built natively on Salesforce. So they also have orgs of Salesforce orgs, and we extract telemetry data from those orgs using another pipeline also built with Heroku. If you go to the consumption side, we use Amazon Redshift, and we have a Redshift connector in Einstein Analytics which is an out-of-the-box solution that allows you to replicate data from the data warehouse into Einstein Analytics. Once the data is in Einstein Analytics, we use all of the powerful data flows and data recipes that are available. We use those to enrich the uh, results that we get from our predictive models. And then we also use Einstein Analytics powerful visualization capabilities in order to create rich dashboards which you can drill right back into the operational data source. So, but in order to make this architecture into a humming machine, we needed to orchestrate it. So we've developed this event-driven microservice orchestration framework. Uh, at the heart, there is a Kafka event bus. At, it's at the bottom here in the uh, slide. That is our main mechanism for doing event-driven uh, development. So we have a set of microservices, which are either Node.js applications, or it can be Python models. They're containerized, the Docker containers, and then they run in AWS. So in this particular example, I'm showing you the flow of how data gets ingested into our data lake and how that triggers the execution of our models. So, it all begins with the AWS glue jobs that does a snapshot ingest that data into the data lake. It then fires off an event, in this case ingestion completed, to the message bus. Then there is an application, Node.js application, that picks up that event, and that goes in and executes a set of queries against the data warehouse to add partitions to the external tables. So what this does, it incrementally starts building up that time series view of your data. In turn, that will fire off another event. Partition has been added. And then any number of models can listen for those events, and then they can trigger and execute. And they can retrain against the latest snapshot that is available of the data that they need. And they can also rescore. The scores are then put back into a physical table in the data warehouse which is what we replicate back into Einstein Analytics. So there are two things that this architecture provides us that are key. The first thing is when you do any kind of machine learning and predictive modeling, you typically don't know what you need when you start out. So because we have a cost-effective way of storing all of the data in our data lake in S3, we can store all of it and only operationalize what we need when we need it. The second benefit is that using an event-based mechanism like this with the Kafka, you can store your events in perpetuity. That means if I bring on another, another model, machine learning model, then that model is able to listen to events from the past, and it can trigger on those events as well. And given that it has access to all of the 
data in, in the time series view, then it can be evaluated retrospectively against historical data. That means you can take your new model and you can build up a new time series data set from that model. So I'm gonna show you just a tiny example of what this would look like. So this is what I call the analytics time machine. On the left-hand side here, I have a simple Redshift query, and on the right-hand side, I have the result of executing this query against the data warehouse. So here, I'm just looking at a single opportunity, a CRM opportunity. So it has a distinct primary key, and I'm looking at two fields. One is called is1, and the other is called amount. The is1 is a flag on the opportunity whether it's been one or not. And the amount is obviously the amount. So in this view on the right, you can see how this opportunity, CRM opportunity, is progressing through time, starting out with not being one, with an amount, and then the amount gets updated over time. And October 20th, this opportunity is one. So I did this with just two fields, but I can do this with any number of fields on the opportunity. And I can also do it for any object in my Salesforce database that I want. I have everything available with all time series information. So why is this important? I like to use the example of customer churn. So if you do a traditional machine learning model against your data and you, you predict churn, Something that you might get out of that is that the customer has a high likelihood of, of churning. Well, you don't know what the time frame is of that churn. It could be tomorrow or it could be next week. As a business, knowing that your customer is going to churn tomorrow has no value. There's nothing I can do. I, I can't go and make any preventative actions that are meaningful. With an analytics time machine, when you train your models, what you can do is you can dial time back, say, six months, and you can train your models against the data as it looked six months, but you can score it against an outcome that is in the future, say, three months. If you do that, then you can introduce a time horizon between your predictions and the expected time that the outcome will happen. And that'll give you a model that actually can meet your business need of giving a signal that is timely. So with that, we have a use case uh, internally at our company. We call it a compounding effect of our product portfolio. So at Financial Force, we deliver a number of products, as I mentioned. And we believe that all of our products are stronger together because they're tightly integrated on the Salesforce platform. If you have a professional services automation tool or a solution from us, and you bring in financials, you don't need to do anything to integrate the two. They're on the same platform. They speak the same language. The same with the service cloud and sales cloud. They're also tightly integrated. Given that, we would like to evaluate a hypothesis that we have a higher retention rate among customers that have multiple products installed. So I wrote up a little bit of Python code in order to do this. So at the top, I'm defining two dates. I call the first one the baseline date. This is the date that we're going to dial time back to. And then I have the future date, which is six months out into the future as seen from the baseline. 
So I can read my accounts exactly as they were at the baseline time. I can compute the number of products that each of my customers installed. And I can also compute whether these customers have churned already. Similarly, I can dial the time forward again to my future date. I read the set of accounts. Then I take the set of accounts that were not churned at the baseline that are now churned today. If you stratify that by the number of products and you compute the rate of churn and we plot that, we get something similar to this. And it'll show you exactly what our hypothesis were that the more products the customer has installed, the lower the rate of churn is. So with that hypothesis proven, we can take the next step in our analysis. So this is just a tiny glimpse into what you can do when you have an analytics time machine available at your fingertips. So I hope you can appreciate the power of being able to put in a time horizon into your machine learning models. And with that, I'm handing it back to Janine. Thank you. Thanks so much, Simon. And just want to give a applause to all of our co-speakers today. Really appreciate everything that you shared with us. So as we close out, one thing I want you all to know is that there are some new resources available to you immediately, and new resources we're building as we speak to help you take advantage of examples like you've just seen from Autodesk and Financial Force, as well as some additional examples that we at AWS built for demonstration and reuse. Uh, we have a blog uh, on AWS talking about integrating AWS and Salesforce and a couple of scenarios that I think many of you will find useful in terms of integrating the platforms, offloading heavy documents, files onto S3 from Salesforce, but maintaining the context and lineage of data, linking them and maintaining that link, uh, as well as other scenarios uh, for how you can tie those two together very seamlessly even today. Uh, because it's really important to us that as we're working on building deeper product integrations, we're enabling you to get started leveraging some of the best practices that customers have found, as well as accessing our internal experts who are working with all of our customers all the time, uh, helping them implement these integrations. So some key takeaways that I definitely would love for you to take away from today. One, we're working together, AWS, Salesforce, to deliver seamless and secure integrations. And we see, like Wyeth talked about earlier, a whole range of integrations that are already available today, as well as more that we are looking to deliver uh, here in the near future. Two, we're prioritizing based on what you need. So definitely talk to us. Uh, my Twitter handle was on the front cover and it'll be at the last slide. I'm femtechie on Twitter. Uh, you can hit me up and you know, if you need anything, you want access to the blog, you can't find it, or just ideas, use cases that you have. Definitely let us know because we're factoring those things all in to prioritize the next set of integrations that we can deliver. And then three, 
leveraging those developer resources I just showed. There are many more to come. AWS loves Salesforce developers, and we love our developers that are hybrid, developing together on our platforms. What I love about the examples from Autodesk and Financial Force today is that that's exactly what we saw. Uh, we saw, you know, Financial Force built natively on top of Salesforce, integrating data, predictive insights with AWS. We saw that with Autodesk, bringing many different data sources together from enterprise systems as well as Salesforce, and tying those things, getting insights, driving prediction on AWS, and then in both scenarios, bringing key data, key insights back into Salesforce, closing that loop so that you have that bi-directional exchange. Um, and that's what we want to do with any of the integrations we deliver going forward. So take advantage of those resources and let us know what else we can deliver uh, coming soon. So thank you and would love to take any questions in the remaining time that we have. I think we have a question. Uh, the question was, do we have a roadmap for Amazon Connect with Salesforce? We do. Uh, and also, we just introduced a slew of new enhancements for the Amazon Connect adapter, uh, which is a connector with Salesforce uh, Service Cloud. And uh, happy to share more details on those enhancements. We have a landing page on our website. And then we can connect you with our product team uh, to talk more about what's coming. Thank you. Other questions? Yes? How about um, Salesforce with Sokol with Glue Connection? Oh. Mm -hmm. um, how about making uh, Sokol uh, compatible like Glue Connection? Uh, what's interesting is um, AWS Glue is, is a really strategic service for how we're trying to integrate multiple sources and, uh, of course, many patterns. And you saw that both the Financial Force and Autodesk leveraging that to integrate with Salesforce. So we're always looking at uh, additional data sources and um, uh, to be able to make those integrations happen. Uh, would love to talk more about the use case that you have uh, and how we might possibly work on something like that. Other questions? Thank you. Hi. Yes. Uh, can you stand and repeat your question while the mic is coming to you? Thank you. What I know is that uh, only third party, using third party JDBC connector, you can get the data from Salesforce using Glue. So is there any kind of direct without third party? Yes, so um, to, to, to the question you asked, um, AWS Glue uh, can connect to any JDBC, com JDBC compliant data source. And so using JDBC adapters, you can connect data sources with Glue. And what we've done with clients in, in various integration projects, uh, and we have recipes that we can share with all of you, is um, wrap that JDBC adapter uh, such that it can talk directly to Salesforce, which is not necessarily a JDBC source, right? Um, it's an API source. Uh, so we've done that, but what we want to do going forward is make that even more seamless and out of the box. Um, so we have discussions on the way about how that could work. And if you're interested in following that, 
uh, certainly see me afterward and we can discuss. I have other questions, but I'll ask later, yeah. Okay, great. Thank uh, you. I have a question here. Yes. Here. <laughs> uh, you know, in the one of the slides, uh, you know, it was shown that uh, you know the AWS direct connect uh, between the Salesforce and uh, essentially an AWS VPC uh, as the connectivity mechanism. So, uh, so my impression of the Salesforce, you know, essentially it's a you know, like multi-tenant internet facing, and and typically is the like a MPLS or a direct connect available to all customers that use Salesforce. I mean, so so if a customer is invested and has a VPC on AWS and has a really small presence on Salesforce, will the AWS Direct Connect be available to integrate like, you know, a force.com, you know, application running on the Salesforce org to uh, uh, AWS VPC? Thank you for the question. Uh, so uh, if I understand the question about AWS Direct Connect and how accessible will that be to the range of Salesforce customers? And even, I would add to your question, uh, around the world, the different regions and availability where Salesforce uh, is available. So we're actually working very closely on this topic as we speak. Um, this is really important, and, and it's not just about integration in terms of how data flows across the network between AWS services and Salesforce, but it's also about the Salesforce uh, data center footprint and transformation uh, uh, that they've announced uh, that they're doing. So uh, I don't know, Wyeth, if, if you want like to comment any further on that, but that is something we're working on right as we speak, and we'll announce more when when we're able. Yeah, we just to your point, we just had a meeting on this on, on Tuesday with our senior leadership and your senior leadership that Janine was on on the call with, and and you know the original plan was to try to get this all done with all of our data centers by next Dreamforce, and I, and I think we felt like we want to move a lot faster than that. So basically, the takeaway from Tuesday's call was let's go faster. So we're having an internal meeting to talk about that roadmap. So sorry we don't have an, an answer for you now, um, but we're trying to move as fast as we can to make it available to as broad a set of customers as possible. Thank you. Thanks, Wyeth. And so we're actually out of time. I really love the questions. I'm going to exit the room, and you can catch me if you have other questions. Thank you so much for attending this session, and we look forward to working with you.